Hello everyone, welcome. It is podcast 205 in this new year. I thought it would be good to talk about making decisions because it seems like in the new year, people are always sort of wondering about, you know, what the new year will bring and what changes will be made, what decisions they'll make. You know, we, we make decisions all the time on a daily basis, don't we? We're choosing what to do, we're choosing how to approach problems or manage potential conflicts. We can spend a lot of time just thinking about how to manage potential conflicts at home or at work. We can spend a lot of time figuring things out. Should I say this? Should I mention this to this person? Or maybe I shouldn't say anything at all. And it could be small things like, uh, you know, your cranky neighbor who dumps his garden refuse over your fence. Or it could be a friend who's, I don't know, in trouble, brokenhearted. Or it could be much bigger things like your responsible for making a decision and the decision that you make affects many people's lives. Yeah, because some decisions are big and some of us carry a lot of responsibility. Well, one of the teachings of Jesus is, is that we have capacity to be guided by God. Now, yes, this, it does take a little bit time and training, right? But Jesus is pretty clear on this. He says, no, you, you definitely have the ability to be guided by God. Now, he said it in a different way. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, which is a way of saying, you learn how to listen, you can be guided by God. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And this is a, a great story, an old ancient story from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, 1 Samuel 3. And it's about the young boy, Samuel. He's about 12 or 13 when this happens. You know, I wonder, I've wondered this. Is it more difficult to know what to do like discern what the best course of action is. You believe, I really think that this is what I need to do. I think this is the right thing. I think this is what God would have me do. Is it more difficult to find that or is it more difficult to, to carry through the very thing God is impressing upon you to do? Right? You ever thought about that? When we think about listening to God, being guided... Is it harder to hear and know what to do? Or is it harder to actually follow through? Probably follow through, I would think. Probably follow through. Anyway, here's the story of young Samuel. Teaches us a lot about listening and following through. And, and actually, Eli, Samuel's... Uh, I suppose he's the... His, well, Samuel's a, a young priest... And Eli is the old, old priest. So he's his mentor. Uh, yeah, Eli, talk about high dysfunction. Well, here's the story. Here's the story. 
The passage begins, as all good stories do, with a hint of mystery and intrigue. And the first line is, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. Let's just say that there's not a lot happening. If it was the church today, we'd say, there's not a whole lot happening in the church. You're really not missing anything not being here, right? The word of the Lord is rare and visions are not widespread. There's uh, not a whole lot happening here. So this takes place at a time in the ancient people's history where there's not a lot happening. And it sounds like old Eli, the priest, um, wasn't really expecting too much from God. Kind of living his own life, doing his own thing, serving at the tabernacle with his sons. He resided at the temple. And the young priest, Samuel, 12 years old, he's in training. And old Eli, the passage tells us, was an old man and his eyes were dim. He's probably a sad old man because he has what we call nowadays family issues, meaning that his two grown sons, who were also priests, were pretty wild and did whatever they wanted. Actually, they have no interest in God at all. I mean, it's this, they're totally self-centered took advantage of their position. I mean, this has happened down through the millennium, hasn't it? They took advantage of their position. They stole the offerings. They helped themselves to the best offerings that people brought to the temple. They slept with the women who kept the place tidy. All in all, the two sons, Hopney and Phineas, running wild, doing what they want, taking advantage of people. And old dad, Eli, is sort of, doesn't doesn't exactly approve of it, but he's kind of wringing his hands as in, well, you know, I've spoken to them and, you know, they don't listen to me. What can I do? That kind of parent. Now, boys, you really shouldn't do that. But, you know, he doesn't actually get involved. Yeah, you think this just happens nowadays, don't you? This is like thousands and thousands of years old. So there he is, old Eli, the high priest serving at the the temple. The young sons, well, they're young men now, running wild. And then there's 12-year-old Samuel, who's supposed to be training and learning how to be a priest. I mean, what a place to get your training. Anyway, one night, the story is that Samuel is sleeping And he hears this voice call. It's it's in the night. Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel hears the voice and he gets up. And he goes through to where Eli is sleeping. And he says, yes, did you call me? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. So he goes back to sleep. And a second time, He's wakened a second time with this voice, Samuel. Samuel. And he gets up and he goes to Eli and he said, yes, Eli, you call me. He says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. This happens three times. Everything happens three times in the Bible. No, only kidding, but it's a really common number. Happens three times. The third time it happened when Eli wakes up and 
it strikes Eli eventually. Maybe, maybe God's speaking. Now remember, the story begins, the word of the Lord was rare in those days, meaning nobody's expecting God to be doing much, interfering in any way, being present in any way, being helpful in any way. So Eli says, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's God, Samuel. Maybe it's God. Maybe God has something to do with this. Maybe God has something to say. So if this happens again, I want you to say, well, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. Now, by the way, when we're talking about God talking to us or speaking to us or guiding us, generally speaking, we're not talking about voices that we hear outside of ourselves, right? You know, we're not really talking about, you know, this booming voice from heaven. I think it's far more common, although, I mean, I'm sure there's people that say they actually hear a voice, but when we really, when we talk about God guiding us, we're really talking about an inner conviction, a sense of this is the path. So it's not so much these voices from the outside, like your conscience, for example. Your conscience is, a, is like an inward voice, isn't it? Something telling you something. You don't actually hear it, but you can experience it. So anyway, this is, this is what old Eli says to Samuel. This happens again. Maybe it's the Lord. And say, speak, Lord, for your servants listening. Well, of course, the voice does call again in the night. And just as Samuel was instructed, he wakes up and he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. Well, <laughs> boy, this, the, the, uh, the news isn't good. God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm perfectly aware of what Eli is doing, and I'm removing him. He hasn't restrained his sons. He is not faithful to me. I'm raising up a new priest. It's going to be you. And as for the house of Eli and their sons, I'm having nothing more to do with them. They're, they're, they're being banished from this position. Well, I don't know if Samuel slept too well after that particular message, but of course, the next again morning, Eli, the old priest, wants to know the whole story. Well, what happened? And he sees... Samuel's hesitancy, because Samuel doesn't actually want to tell him, yeah, I, I did get this <laughs> encounter with God, and God says that uh, he's not happy with the way that you've been and the way that your sons are taking advantage of everyone, and he's, gonna re he's just going to uh, get, get rid of you all, and, and I'm going to be the new priest. Well, Eli says, don't you hold back a thing, tell me now. Tell me exactly what God says. And young Samuel tells him the whole truth. And Eli has an interesting res response. He says, well, okay, he's, he's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. That's the line. Which is an interesting response because he's a weak man in many ways. You know, he's unable to manage his family. That eventually becomes his downfall. 
He is unable to manage his family. It has disastrous effects on those around him. But here, old Eli seems to concede and acknowledge that ultimately God knows best. And I just found that interesting, this reading, because so often people are such a strange mix of, you know, at one level they do believe in God. They are at some level, I don't know if I'd say trying to please, but they're certainly would acknowledge the existence of God. But then, on the other hand, their lives are such a mess, you think, does it make any difference at all? So you get this funny mix in people where, uh, oh, actually, you see this all the time in the newspaper with church leaders, don't you? I mean, getting caught for something. You find out that their life is really a sham and it's a mess. But yet, on the other hand, maybe you've listened to some of their teaching or you've read some of their books. You think that's pretty good stuff. So, yeah, all that to say, people are just a mix. Yeah, we're just a bit of a mix. So, a couple of things struck me in this reading. By the way, the end of the story is eventually Samuel does go on to become a priest and he's got a very successful life in the sense that, you know, everything he says comes to pass. He's faithful. He's good. God uses him in many, many different ways. Makes, he's a, power, a powerhouse for good in the world, right? So, but that's later on. Now he's still 12. But a couple of comments on, just a couple of things for us to think about. We think about leading, guidance, decisions, Now, you can certainly believe in God and not pay much attention to this idea of guidance. Just use your smarts, your intelligence, your skill set. Go ahead, do the best you can, and uh, trust God for the rest. You can certainly live that way. People do live that way. But I'm always intrigued by what Jesus says. And he said that, no, there's, there's, more, there's more than that. Because my sheep can actually learn how to listen and learn how to follow. So Jesus teaches that there is a deeper listening skill that can be developed. And I find it intriguing that Young Samuel is waking up in the middle of the night. Because I think a lot of things can happen at night, particularly if you're not able to sleep or if you're not able to rest. Now, we often see this as just a nuisance when it happens. Maybe it's a sign that we're stressed or maybe we're worried about something. Or maybe we're wrestling with a decision and we don't know what to do, so you go to bed and you sleep for a couple hours and then you end up waking up. Now, it seems to me that it might be helpful to reframe sleeplessness. Reframe it in a sense because it's a time where it's quiet 
And it's very easy for God to get our attention at night. You know, it's during the day we can block a lot of things, right? We can get busy, we can get distracted. But there's something about sleeping and waking that and then we're sort of lying in that forced quietness and stillness. Everyone else is asleep. It's like the heart has an opportunity to be vulnerable before God. It's like, well, what is wakening me up? What is this about? Is this something that can only be sorted out between you and God? I mean, is this something that you've thought about and pondered and wondered and schemed and controlled and manipulated? And it's like, you know what? Maybe it's not working. Maybe, maybe my way isn't working. What wakes me up in the night? Is it a deep fear that needs to be acknowledged so that healing might come? Is this a decision that needs an action? Do I need to be taking an action? Is that why I'm waking up? Is it something in the daytime hours you can ignore? That's an interesting thing to consider. I don't think it's uncommon to be called in the night in the sense that we're unsettled. Now, of course, yeah, it might just be insomnia, yes, but not all the time. I think it's a way that God can get our attention. The restlessness is there for a reason. And these ancient people really paid attention to things like this, waking up in the night or dreaming the same dream. We might just put that to the side and say, well, I don't know what that is. It's all nonsense. The ancient people would, would say, oh, no, there's a purpose for, in that. Pay attention to your dreams. Yeah, pay attention. God calling out, getting Samuel's attention in the night, in the night. Another thing I noticed too was that God called young Samuel not once or twice, but three times. It was like this. There was a repetitive nature to this call. And you'll notice this with yourself, that when something is not sorted out in some way, it will keep returning to you time and time and time again until it does get sorted out. The same thought or the same correction or the same warning or the same leading, it keeps coming again and again and again till we take an action. Now, you might not necessarily see this or you might not necessarily think, well, that's not God, is it? Well, I would consider that to be, yeah, I would consider that. I would certainly consider that to be one way that God works with us. You know, if a thought keeps returning to you, you need to forgive this particular person or that particular situation that happened is holding you back today even though it happened some time ago. 
Yeah, I would definitely pay, pay attention to something like that. That may well be God leading. Because it's really about a need to let go of the past. Or a thought might come to you that you need to spend more time with your most significant relationship. It doesn't really matter what it is. The message doesn't change until we change. Could be an idea, it could be a thought, something that you believe you could do, something that you believe that you should move forward into. It's like that still small voice, it's like, and it keeps repeating. Yeah, it's like God calling in the night. It's like a Samuel. Samuel. So it's good to, I think, pay attention to this. It's like paying attention to the cry of the heart. And the, the big difference between Samuel and Eli is, is really quite straightforward. Young Samuel has an openness about him. He's like, here I am, God, speak. It's like, yeah. If, if you have something to say, if you're leading me in some way, I'm really curious about that. I, I would really like to be a part of that. Whereas old Samuel, on the other hand, is sort of closed down. So whatever he hears, it's like, well, he's already heard about his sons, right? And his, his, he already knows what's going on, but it's like what we would just call nowadays denial. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to hear that. I want to do things the way I want to do things. Okay, okay, you get to live that way. But you're going to miss out all the wisdom and guidance of God. So there's a huge difference between young Samuel's response and Eli's response. Because that young Samuel has this openness. It's like, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. And listening is what changes a life. That openness, that's what changes a life. So there's the prayer. There's the prayer and the heart cry. Yeah, we're listening. We want to hear. And we want to go in the right path. Thank you for joining me. Join with me again next week for another episode.